This episode of the Unstoppable CEO podcast is sponsored by our referrable book program, where we'll create a great lead generating book for you. If you've always wanted to write a book for your business, but never managed to get it done, let us do it for you. To find out if this is a fit for you, schedule a quick 20 minute intro call with me at unstoppableceo.net. Click the book a call button. Now on to the episode. Hey everybody, it's Steve. Uh, This is a uh, bit of an impromptu episode of the podcast and uh, I'm here with my buddy John Curry. We recorded a couple of episodes which I hope you've listened to uh, earlier this morning and we've taken a little break and we've come back and uh, we're enjoying a little bit of uh, whiskey and uh, and John said something fairly profound and I thought, you know what? We're here. We got all the equipment. Uh, before we have any more whiskey and this gets really strange, we're going to uh, actually record this because because um, I think it might be valuable. And uh, if nothing else, I'm going to enjoy the conversation. So um, with that, uh, we're talking about... Um, well, let's set the stage. You 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 asked me for advice. Well, I was going to say, let, let, let me set the stage. What I said to Steve was, and I do this to them, him occasionally, he's got this big whiteboard behind him here sitting at his table. And I said, you got a blank canvas. What advice or counsel would you offer me? And his words were, write to the want, want what you want. And from my buddy, uh, our friend Dan Sullivan. And I said, well... To me, it seems like that the, the phrase that would sum up life would be, know what you want, want what you want. And that's when you said, whoa, this is good. Let's turn the mic on. So let's take it from that. It's kind of setting the stage, folks. Yeah. So I, I see this all the time with business owners as I'm talking to them. And you, you mentioned it before. I think you probably see this with your clients. Everybody knows what they don't want. It's easy to know what you don't want because it pushes on you and it creates that friction and a bit of pain. And so you can identify it. But I think it's a whole lot harder to really be able to articulate what you want. I, it's harder for me anyway. What's your experience? Uh, I agree. I think it's difficult for clients, but it's also difficult for me. But what I have to do is I don't know how I came up with this. But I know when I started working with Dan Solo back in 1994, it became easier for me in the sense of I've always been pretty good about seeking clarity. So if something's real cloudy and uh, ambiguous, I'm like, okay, come on, got to work through this. And I, and I believe that goes back to my military days, being a mechanic on the B-52 bomber. Every time that plane took off, eight people's lives were in my hands. Mm-hmm. And it's had to be clear, make sure everything's done properly by the code. But I find that if I can just sit quietly, even if I start writing things that are negative, I don't want this, I don't want that, I've been pretty good about being able to say, okay, I don't want that. So if I don't want that, what's the opposite of it? And sometimes that's the answer. Sometimes you don't want either one of them. But I find that with clients especially, I'll say, tell me what you, what does retirement look like? What do you want retirement to be? I don't know. And my favorite line I learned from NLP is, I know you don't know, Steve, but if you did know, what would the answer be? (laughs) And they tell me every time. Every time. I love it. Every time. And But for me, I'm I'm struggling a little bit in the sense right now, 
I'm 68 years old, folks. I've been doing this 45 years. I'm in year 46 now of what I'm doing. And there are times I don't really know what I want. I know I don't want to retire. I want to continue working and being productive as long as I bring value and I'm relevant. The day I don't bring value and I'm not relevant, I just soon go off and hide somewhere. Because I think all of us, in one way or another, if we're human beings with a soul, we want to be relevant and create something of value. Because the day is going to come when we're gone. And my girlfriend's a funeral director. We talk about this a lot. You know, I've been in the life insurance business for 45 plus years. Investments, planning. But it all comes down to what happens when you're dead and gone. How will you be remembered? How will you be known? And I'm worried about where we are today because a lot of people uh, in our society, what we saw just this week, I mean, we just witnessed Tuesday. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? People storming the Capitol. Tuesday. And who would have thought something like that would happen in our country? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of anger, fear, unrest, anxiety, uncertainty. And that comes back full circle to know what you want and want what you want. Because if you don't know what you want, you might be easily led astray by someone who is intentionally misleading you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter left or right. You got to determine what's best for you. Yeah, left, left, right, or center, they can mislead you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the one misleading you could be you. Um, and usually is. I think we. Who, who, who's the famous line? What's the famous line? We're our own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's interesting that you you talk about writing down the things that you don't want and then looking at the opposite and maybe that's the answer, maybe it's not. I I think actually that's in many cases and maybe the vast majority of cases, at least I I would argue, that doesn't get you to the answer because a lot of of the time it's not the opposite. It's, It's not that you want the opposite of what you don't want. It's that you probably haven't thought deeply enough about what you really truly want and probably haven't given yourself permission to really think broadly about what you want. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there've been a couple of times in my life where I had the opportunity to do that. So I found myself in in uh, early 2010. Um, in fact, New, New Year's Eve 2010, uh, my wife came home with our daughters, and she'd been to see her family, and, and uh, I had stayed at home, uh, working and, and, uh, she came home that day as I thought we were going to celebrate New Year's Eve. And she said, uh, no, buddy, we're not celebrating. We're getting a divorce. And so as I go into 2010, um, I had the opportunity to really kind of examine like what, um, you know, what, what do I want going forward? I sort of, I was, you know, at that point, uh, you know, 38 years old. Uh, I remember some of those uh, questionings you were going through. Yeah, well, you were, you were <laughs> right there with me through a lot of it. You know, so I'm 38 years old, and I've got this point where it's it's like the grand reset of life. Um, and I got to ask, well, what do I really want going forward? It's the first time I think in my entire life I'd really deeply ask, what do I want? And... Um, and I'm not sitting here saying that because of that, I do that very well all the time. There are moments in time when I have done it well. And that was one of them. I actually have a journal 
um, still where I wrote, okay, what do I want my life to be going forward? And I wrote these things and do I want to spend my life with someone? And the answer was yes. And what is that person like? And I wrote these things down. Um, and you know this because uh, most people who listen to the podcast don't know this, but uh, John officiated my second wedding. And uh, it was the only way we could get him into the, the ceremony, which is another long story. But um, but um, but it also proved if there's something you really want, you find a way to go get what you want. Well, beyond that, I didn't go. I didn't go get that in any way. It. I I was very clear about what I wanted, and this is the like I'm not a big law of attraction person and all of that. I, yeah, the universe works. You know, I, I believe in God. God works in weird ways. Um, and, and I don't know that he worked to make this happen for me because I wanted it. Because um, I, I don't know that he, you know, on, on that level, that was a priority for him. <laughs> you know, but... Let me, let me see what I can do to help Steve Gordon what he wants. Right. And maybe it was, you know. Uh, but I, I was very clear about what I wanted. <clears throat> And within weeks it arrived and, um, you know, and I'm, I'm married to that, that person still and, mm-hmm. and will be for the rest of my life. But, you know, and so that was an example of a time when I was really clear about what I wanted and it paid off. And I find a lot of the time I fall into the trap as I think a lot of people do of being really, really clear about what I don't want, but being really fuzzy about what I want. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I went through a similar thing just a year ago, sitting down with my journal, writing out what do I want in the ideal person to have a life with. And then dad coming. About four weeks later, that person appears to have come into my life. You know, it's really interesting. And so do you think that, that it, you think it's just with uh, those aspects of our lives or do you think it works in all I think that way. I think it works in all areas. And if that were the case, what what do you think holds people back from being? And I'm asking this selfishly because I'm hoping you know the answer. Because I don't. Um, what do you think holds people back from being, you know, from operating at that level of clarity? Or does it take something to sort of force you to get to that level of clarity about what you want in a particular area of your life? I. Uh, Again, I got a few years on you. I'm going to tell you what I think it is based on what I've witnessed and dealing with clients that are 100 years old. My oldest clients are 102. A lot of them in their 90s, mid 80s, 70s, a lot. I think it takes an event. Something has to happen, whether it be a live physical event or something in our minds to shake us up. For some people, it's losing a child. For some people, it's losing a spouse. For some people, it's losing a parent. For some people, it's a friend who has had trouble. And then all of a sudden, it causes an introspection of your life, and you start asking, wow, is there anything else out there? And I don't think that we can appreciate until we reach certain milestones in life. You know, I've had open-heart surgery. I can tell you clearly when I, that happened, you were there with me through it. Uh, in 2008, um, I just thought that book you showed me a moment ago, that was in May of 2008, and then I had the heart surgery almost, what, two months later? Yeah, this was May 23rd. So John, John's a, a big giver of, of books, um, and I have a, a book here by Price Pritchett, U Squared, that he gave me 
Um, and, and this is instructive, actually. You, you should always do this. I've, I've learned this from you. Always write a note in the front of the, front of the book and put the date on it. Um, and that way people will remember. And so I pull this book out usually every January and reread it because it's a short little book um, and a fantastic book. If you've never read it, go get U Squared by Price Pritchett. Um, and, but I always, every time I read it, I, I remember our friendship. I remember you and the fact that now, I mean, it's been, um, you know, 12, almost 13 years since you gave me this book. So, um, and I have the ones you've given me with notes on them on my Yeah, And this was right before your heart injury. Yeah. So, but but I, I, I'll go back to my point. I, I know that when that happened and I was going into surgery, I didn't have a big massive heart attack. I just... I didn't feel well, went in, and they checked me out and discovered I had some uh, some blockage. One was 100%, one was 10, one was 90. And the one that was 90 was called the Widowmaker. And the doctor says, do you know why we call it that? And I said, well, I guess because so, it makes it <laughs> makes somebody a widow if it closes up. <laughs> he said, you got it, big boy. But I remember clearly all my legal documents were in place, life insurance in place. I remember talking with my attorney two days before the surgery, and we agreed everything was fine. And then had the family around me in the hospital room the night before the surgery. And I remember the next day, the young man who was wheeling me down to surgery, he said, Mr. Curry, for what's about to happen to you, you're the calmest person I've ever seen. Are you okay? I said, I'm great. I'm at peace. I'm at peace with God. I'm at peace financially. Did my family secure? If, you, if I die on the operating table, my family is secure financially. If I become disabled, but I survive it, but I can't work, I have disability income insurance, let's get this thing done. And then after the surgery and I went home, I had a moment with my grandson, who was two at the time. Every morning we would sit in the kitchen and we'd watch Mickey Mouse Playhouse and Handy Mandy. He loved those shows. And I couldn't pick him up. I couldn't even pick up a gallon of milk. He would shimmy up my leg, spin around, put his arm around and says, Papa, I love you. <laughs> and that'll melt your heart. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there, you're thinking, wow, what do I do? He's, he's only two years old. I want to see him grow up. He'll be 15 in just a few days on January 22nd. So it's not just about us. It's about the people we love and care about. So that was a milestone. And I could give you a bunch of them throughout my career that I can remember, but that was a biggie. Then when my dad died, that was a biggie. Well, my mom first, my natural mother, then my dad, then my stepmother. And you start questioning life. What do I want? And then business-wise, everybody tells you, you've got to do this to be successful. You've got to do that. And I don't know how it happened, but a long time ago, I became somewhat of a maverick with that. Now, don't tell me what I have to do to be successful. Give me your guidelines and coaching and let me go determine what success looks like. And that's one thing where I, I worry about our society today in the sense that we're, we are allowing ourselves to become, uh, I hate to even use the word, led, pushed, threatened, cajoled, that nowadays, if I don't agree with you, it's a screaming match. Mm-hmm. And I don't do well with screaming, doing it or receiving. <laughs> I, I, I never have. Yeah. Even in the military, when somebody who outranked me would scream at me, I said, excuse me, sir, you don't need to scream. 
I have two good ears. I can listen. Just tell me what the order is, sir, and I'll carry it out. But I don't need an ass chewing, and I don't need to be screamed at. That was early. Yeah. How I got that, I don't know. Well, you know, bringing this around to, to business, you know, I think the thing that, um, I, I think everybody kind of goes through this. I mean, the, we're at the beginning of the year, so a lot of people are, are having these thoughts or maybe had them towards the end of last year about what, what do they want this year to really be like. But at the end of this year, a lot of people are going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of that will come down to the fact that, that they didn't get clarity. And I, I, I'm not you know, saying that, that, you know, in a disparaging way against anybody. It happens to me more than I'd like to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, Same here. And I think part of that is <clears throat> I never... We we were going to talk about goals and targets at one point today. Let's uh, do it now. We, we never did, but but maybe this is a relevant time. I think it is because you know everybody says you need to set these goals, and and I set goals all the time. I'm very much you know goal driven and like that, and, and and all those things. But I think that's different than really understanding and knowing what you want. I I agree totally. But let, let me tell you, I don't agree with goals anymore. Tell I don't even targets. Because if you don't, if, okay, if you set a goal and you're so, okay, here's this bottle of water on my target. If I don't get there, how am I going to feel? Like you failed. I failed. I'm a failure. I did not reach my goal. I am a failure. That's BS. How about we say, you know, I, that's my target. I would love to get to that bottle of water by the end of the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, end of the year. I'm going to do everything in my power that's legally, morally, ethically right to get there. But if I don't reach that bottle of water, I'm 10 feet short of it. Does that mean I'm a failure? Probably not. So I started changing my mind about that a long time ago. And now I'm to the point of where this year, anybody who asked me, well, my business partner, April, what are your goals for the new year? Don't have any. We don't have any. <laughs> I've got three targets that if I reach those targets or even get near them, It'll be a phenomenally successful year, but I have no set ironclad, hardcore goals. So all of this seems like semantics, right? Maybe. But I actually don't think that it is because I think I think there's something to, to be said for the mindset that it that that you create with language. Um, I, I, I believe language is really, really important. And I think, you know, part of the problem we're having just in society in general right now is a breakdown of the understanding of language. Um, I deal with the, with my children all the time, um, you know, and not that, um, I mean, I was, I was a solid C student in English in high school, um, but I went to a really good school and found out when I got to, to the university level, I was actually a lot better than that. But, um, you know, and so it's always like language and words have always been really important to me because um, they allow you to express your your thoughts and, and your ideas and kind of encapsulate them in a way that that uh, otherwise isn't possible. And so when we're not careful with language, I think we can go astray. And I think this is a good example of that. You know, the difference between a goal, which is the line that, you know, beyond which you know, you're successful, but short of which you haven't succeeded versus a target, which is your aiming point. Mm-hmm. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe the word 
target would not work for another person. But you have to understand that I've been in business almost half a century. And I've gone through periods of where I was so hung up on a goal. I'll give you an example, President's Council. Just, well, back up before that, qualifying for the what's called the Million Dollar Roundtable in the life insurance industry when I did nothing but life insurance. Got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. Made it in 1980. Go to the big convention in New York City in 1981. But then it's, okay, what's next? Well, now you got to be top of the table. What the hell have you done for me lately? Yeah. So then it had to become court of the table, then top of the table. Well, I made top of the table so many years, and finally I just I said, I'm, I'm not giving them $1,000 anymore <laughs> to say I made top of the table. So three years ago, I think it's three, yeah, three years ago, I said no more. So I just paid the basic $185 to be a life member. Been a life member since 89. I think that's right, 89, whenever it was. But... So when is enough? Some people are so consumed with, I got to have more, got to have, got to have more, got to have more, got to have more, that they don't even enjoy what the hell they got. Mm-hmm. And I just decided I, I wasn't going to do that anymore. Yeah. And, and you busted my shops one time, come to think of it, about one, what do you want? You remember that conversation down in Winter Park, Florida? Oh, I do, yeah. yeah you busted it wasn't just there. It was, <clears throat> it was a conversation that occurred. In a car for four hours, all uh, the way to from from. Well, we're going to ignore that. Tallahassee tour. We're just going to talk about what happened. Actually, it happened about. I'm going to bust your chops a little bit. It happened about three different breakfast meetings before that uh-huh. over this particular watch you wanted to buy. Uh-huh. Anyway, it wasn't about a watch. That particular time it was about a strap for the watch. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm and sorry. I was, and I, mean. I was explaining to Steve <laughs> and justifying and rationalizing, which I now. Tell people I don't explain, justify, and rationalize anymore. If it's something I want to go get it, and if you don't like the fact that I got it too bad, it was my money and my time. Mm-hmm. But I wanted a particular strap for a watch, and the strap alone was like 170 bucks. And I was kind of talking to him about it. He goes, Why don't you why can't you just want what you want? And you and then you gave me the book, I think. Either you or Marjorie gave me the book mm-hmm. by the same title from Dan Sullivan. Mm-hmm. But that was very, very educational for me, very instructive. So it's changed my language a lot. Well, and I, I think, I really think that that's at the root of trying to build a business. I think we all get into this. And I mean, it's really easy once you start the business to get consumed by, oh man, I got to pay the bills now. I got a team and I got payroll and like all of the, the trappings of owning a business can can sort of take over and overshadow things. And, and it doesn't do that for everybody, but I, I know from experience that it does that for the vast majority. Who's done it to me? Yeah. I mean, I, I've got people who they expect a paycheck every two weeks. Well, yeah. And <laughs> the, the, the question is, it's not that you shouldn't have them. It's how do you, how does that influence the rest of, of your thinking? And does it consume everything? Well, let's use that as an example. I hear people say, well, I've got, I've got uh, this expense to meet every two weeks. And you know me well that my attitude is that's not an expense. That's an investment. Absolutely. So I look at it. That's, that, I don't begrudge that number. That is an investment in, in talent and skill that's around me to make me better. 
Right. I and then I, I look at it the same way. It's an investment in, in me, and it's it's the way that I invest to regain my time, which is more valuable than the money, frankly. Absolutely. Um, because it's perishable. But I, I think it's easy for people to get consumed by all of that, and and uh, and then never step back and get the space to really get clear about what what am I what do I want to build. And, and I think it's easy in an industry too. Like in, in my first business, it took me a, a while to figure out that, you know, the industry norms and standards weren't necessarily all that intelligent. <laughs> they just were. They just, it was just the best that, it, that collectively the industry had figured out. But it didn't mean they were particularly smart. Um, and it was actually, you know, once I, I, I started kind of opening up and looking at things differently that um, business actually got easier, um, you know, but you, you know, you see people who will say, well, this is just the way it's done in the industry. Well, okay, great. Some of that maybe you need to bring along because there's collected wisdom over time, but what do you want and how, how can you innovate to get what you want? Yeah. But look what's happening around us at the disruptors that have occurred. Okay. Phone. This telephone now is not just a phone. It's an iPhone in my hand. Mm-hmm. It's a camera. It's a recorder. It's a it's a video recorder. Help me out. It's everything. It, they take it, but he didn't invent any of that. Steve Jobs did not invent the phone. Did not invent the camera. He just combined a lot of ideas. He took a bunch of stuff that was already out there. He said, "Okay, how do I put that in a little black box?" Mm-hmm. And he didn't look at Uber. And lift, disrupting. There's all kind of disruptors because somebody had the courage, or they were forced to think differently. And when they started thinking differently, all of a sudden, what if we tried this? What if we tried that? And they went against norms. Well, and I, and I actually, I want to challenge you on the word disruptor. Okay. That, that's the word that's used for all of that right now. Well, I, I could, but I, I think it's, I think it's the wrong word because it has a negative connotation. Why would anybody want to, why would any good human want to go and disrupt something that somebody else is doing? I have no, I have no, I don't care. It's not, it's never my intention. I I agree. It's not the right word, but that's the word that's being used. I I know that's the word. But but I, again, how how about improving? You know, we things have been improved from day one because someone saw what you did and they said, "I can make that better." Right, and so it's but it's a question of what's the motive. If the, because the, a lot of this is thrown around, how can I go disrupt an industry? I think that's that's a foolish approach um, because it, it's you know you're going to get a lot of people wanting to uh, to come after you, disrupt you. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, and so I, I don't think you want to go and, and disrupt. I think what you want to do is innovate. And if that, if the consequence of that is that some older, less productive ways go away, then that happens. You know, that unfortunately you get some people that, that stay stuck and they don't take the agency that they have to, Think about these things, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to turn this this on. Um, and hopefully, everybody else is kind of following along with this the way we are. 
I'm having a good time. So am I, and you. I've already gotten value from it, so I hope you do too. Yeah. But it, but if not, uh, we're enjoying it. But but I think these words are important. I mean, I, I don't ever want to create a business that's designed to disrupt. I want to create a business that's designed to contribute. And yes. if yes. there's a, you know, in, in some cases that means there's an approach to something that's suboptimal that that can be improved and innovated. Great, wonderful, um, you know, and. Um, you know, but I, I think the intent with which you pursue it is important. Um, so, but I, I think it's hard for people to do that for a lot of like regular business owners. And I count myself as one. I think for a lot of us regular business owners, we're in a profession, we're in a business that has been around for a while. You know, we're not inventing the next Uber and we're really just trying to make our business create for us the kind of freedom that we, you know, we took the risk of entrepreneurship because we wanted freedom. I mean, that's the reason everybody does it. Um, and we've talked before about the, the four and you've added a fifth dimension of, of freedom, time, money, relationship, purpose, and, and you've added location. And um, that's why we do this. Otherwise, why would you take the risk? It would be easier and safer not to. And so, how do we then as regular business owners who we're not going to go out there and disrupt the world, but we still have something really valuable to offer and we want to build a business that doesn't drive us nuts and kill us. How do we, how do we use this idea of getting clear on what, knowing what we really want and being okay with that, you know, which was the whole conversation you and I had around the watch band was you were trying to justify to me why you should buy this thing, which you know, it was it, it was a stupidly small amount of money um, in the grand scheme of things, and um, you know, at the end of the day, and and that's a small example of it. But at the end of the day, there wasn't any justification for it other than that you wanted it, Correct. and there wasn't anything wrong with wanting it, right? And that was the whole point. And I think now take that lesson and apply it to the business as a whole that you want to build, and. And be sort of unashamed to build the business that you want that's going to create the life or, that you want. Or, the, or I was going to say, or the life that you choose to live. Mm-hmm. Whose life is it? Sure's. Yeah. Life is fleeting. We've learned in 2020, if nothing else, the thing that we learned <clears throat> is that life is fleeting. And, and, and any, um, any idea that we had to the contrary was mere illusion. Yes. And so what are you waiting for? We're going into 2021. If you survived 2020, congratulations. Mm-hmm. It was a tough one. Not the toughest ever, but a tough one. And uh, you you got a fresh start. So what do you want? Well, every day that you wake up, you got a fresh start. Yeah. True. See, I, I get criticized occasionally by family and friends when I say this. People say, well, what are you going to do in March? Don't know. March is not here. March is not here. December is not here. All I have is today. And I've gotten real good at living in today. Right this minute. I could be dead. I could die that quick of a heart attack. You're better at that than I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious. And I, I mean that as a compliment. You're, you're far better at that than I am. Well, thank you for that. I, but I think I go, I go back to the heart surgery. 
in the mornings, I'd be watching the TV shows, Handy Mandy and Mickey Mouse Playhouse with Junior, we call it, Michael, Michael Don Curry Jr. Then he would hold my index finger. We'd walk around the property, four and a half acres. We'd just get out and walk around. And he was, quote, taking me, I'm taking Papa for his walk. And I remember one day sitting in a swing beside him in the sun, felt good. I'm there recuperating. I've been out of the hospital maybe a week, if that. I'm just thinking, you know, every day I go to work, I bust my ass trying to please people I don't even know. And people that I love and care about, I'm not giving them the attention they deserve. But I'm spending my time trying to attract people to me that are total strangers. For what purpose? To make money? And it hit me. And I've always had a passion for what I do. You've known that for all these years. But that became another level. Yes, I want to make as much money as I can, but I want to make a difference. Because when you die, they're not going to put any of that crap in the grave with you. Nothing. You don't think you don't, you don't think I could write that in my will and they would just Scrooge McDuck me in the casket with the money on top. And well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk <laughs> over with a check, and I'm going to say, "Tell you, I'm going to put a check in, and I'm going to take all the cash." <laughs> so I'll buy it from. There you go. Let's see how you cash that check. Hey, but it's, be my guess. But it's funny how it's not funny. It's, it's not funny, ha ha. But it's strange how we we get so attached, and I've been guilty of. It. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I have some nice watches, as you know, and things like that. And now I'm in the process. I got two I'm going to sell that people want to buy. You want to buy them? Great. You want to sell it? Yeah. You give me what I paid for it, it's yours. I don't need to make a profit. But there's just some things, and after my heart surgery, I even said this, there's some things that are not worth fighting for. There are a few things I'll draw a line in the sand. You cross it, one of us dies. But it's very few. Whereas in the past, we fight about everything. And I, I had this fear that where we are as a, a world, not just our country, it's like it's too quick to be drawn into an argument or anger or fighting. And I go back to one of my mentors, a guy named Joe Sargent, who was president of Guardian Life Insurance Company. I was at a meeting one time, and he got a little tested. He says, ladies and gentlemen, it's okay to disagree. It is not okay to be disagreeable. We're going to take a 15-minute break. We'll come back and we're going to work together and work through this. But you're not going to be disagreeable, period. And boy, what a lesson. That was 1993. Mm -hmm. And I remember that so clearly because I have adopted that attitude and that philosophy. We disagree, but let us not be disagreeable. And when you can take that mindset... Next thing you know, progress is being made. Mm -hmm. But if I get my little feelings hurt and I, I'm going to fight and defend that, and you do the same, we'll we, we get nowhere. Mm -hmm. And I love it when clients come in. We get a husband and a wife come in, prospective clients, and they're fighting about money. Tell me what you think. I don't agree. They're arguing. They're fussing. I said, how long have you been fighting like this? Well, pretty much since day one. Day one of what? Your marriage? How long have you been married? 12 years. Is it working for you? Are you enjoying fighting all the time? No, that's why we're here. How can I help you? See, they come in, they want to know who's right. I'm not going to tell them who's right. <laughs> I don't care. My deal is simply this. 
if I'm involved, we're going to determine the best path with what you've got. And there, and I will tell people, there is no the best path, period. There's the path that's in front of us today. Because you know what? Tomorrow, that path could and probably will change. So what do you do then? You're stuck on this path, going back to goals again. I'm going to that corner, Steve, no matter what. Well, maybe I need to change. Instead of going to the left corner, I go to the right corner. Because life throws me a curve. Mm-hmm. It's been fascinating. I'm going to suggest we bring it to a close for two reasons. One, we've got about 35 minutes, and uh, I, I don't want to take the risk of boring anyone. Hopefully we haven't. But I've had a good time, and the other reason is I'm out of whiskey. So I agree with that, but I want to say one thing before we do go. Okay. I hope that everyone who listens to my voice has the opportunity to develop a relationship with someone that you can call a friend, a brother, a confidant, the way Steve and I have, mm-hmm. because we need it. We're living in a world more and more where um, we're talking about what I called earlier, my hug cards. <laughs> I'm, I'm a hugger. I like hugging yep. people. Well, you can't hug people so much anymore. So I just, I just want to get into this thing where I send out a card with a picture of, you know, a big smile on my face with a hug on it. You know, so I'm sending you my hugs. So I hope you have a great 2021. Awesome. And we've not had enough scotch. Uh, well, I'm drinking bourbon. You're drinking scotch. Mm-hmm. We only had a wee bit, and I want a wee bit more. Absolutely. All right, friends. Bye, guys. We'll see you in the next episode.